and we're live. Hey, so welcome to Sports Dev, Mike. Today we have Mohammed. Mohammed, welcome. Thanks for have thanks for doing this, brother. And um, I know he's, I know he's late in London today, so we really appreciate your time coming on. Um, as usual, Sports Dev is brought to you by Aroa Baobab, the most nutritious fruit powder in the world. Get your fruit powder from arewabaobab.com. That's A-R-E-W-A-B-A-O-B-A-B.com. And uh, you get free shipping in North America. Uh, Mohammed, thank you uh, for, for, for those who didn't bother reading the intro into this. Mohammed is uh, a strong and upcoming UK sports journalist. He focuses on the NFL in London. And he also covers African football, specifically the African couple nations so uh two sports that are kind of close and dear to my heart and um i'm glad to see him in here uh and we all know who mike is come on and uh, you know what time it is with mike mike is uh, a number one guy on this podcast so he comes on to talk all the time but uh mama kind of get it kicked off i mean what do you what do you make of what's happening right now with the with the transfer window and the team's you know, Raheem Sterling, all these things going on and players moving up and down. You're in London, man. What's, 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 what's the vibe like in London right now with, with all that stuff? Yo, I'm a, I'm a Napoli fan and a Chelsea fan, right? So having okay. Kalibu Koulibaly go from one team to another team, it's a win-win situation. You know what I'm trying to say? And I've been having this discussion with people on Twitter. By November, everyone's going to reevaluate their best defender in the world rankings. Because right now, it seems like Van Dijk is just on a world of his own. No one's close to him. He's the best defender in the world. There's going to be some conversations in a few in a few weeks' time because Koulibaly is... I've, I've watched him for years, right? And I feel like if Koulibaly decided to play for France when he was younger, he would be in a much higher category than he is because of who he decided to represent. He does everything that Van Dijk can do. He's just as strong, just as fast, just as good with his feet. And that's going to be huge. Koulibaly to Chelsea is just going to be incredible. And how Thiago Silva's been, that defensive backline for Chelsea is looking amazing. So I think that's yeah, the most important. One will argue that, um, you know, it remains to be Akos, seen. What do you, what do you, how was Koulibaly? I'm sorry? No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it. I was going to say Koulibaly, uh, the only argument one would make is no one is going to doubt the quality and pedigree of Koulibaly. And I quite agree with uh, Mo here that if Koulibaly had decided to turn up for France, you know, the discussion we'll have about him today might be slightly in more revert terms than, you know, and anyone talking about him. He's been the best defender and best center back in Serie A for the last few years. Now, the only thing one will say is that well, he's been in Serie A for those few years, and I think a lot of people are saying that Serie A is not necessarily the top league in Europe. One would make those arguments with guys like Lukaku coming back and flopping in England and then going back and being stars over there. Uh, I would make one slight criticism of Koulibaly is that he tends to lose concentration every once in a while while the ball is at his feet. And his passing is not that great, but, I mean, no one can be perfect. Otherwise... 31 years old, center backs tend to get better, you know, with age. So we'll see how this goes. And I think this is a massive signing for Chelsea, honestly. It's a big coup, honestly. What did you make of Koulibaly's performance in AFCON? I mean, he did what Koulibaly does. I mean, I think they conceded two goals in the entire tournament. He missed the first two games because of COVID, but Koulibaly was, he was, I mean, he barely had anything to do because when you play for a team that's, that's so much better than everyone else. 
um 90 percent of the time it's Sadio Mane and um Ismail Assar and Buna Dia that have it up front trying to create stuff I mean but every time something came his way he cleaned it up nicely and um, he dealt with it. He had he had the most complete. He had the highest completion percentage of any um, any player at Afcon, and he was playing at the back. So his passing completed was, I mean, every time Koulibaly had the ball, you know that you don't need to worry. If someone's going against Koulibaly, you don't need to worry. Whether that be Mohamed Salah, whoever that, whatever the case may be, you know. Right, so I, right, right. I, I think I think I agree with Mo entirely here. Like Koulibaly basically was, you know, I mean Senegal. The, the basis of their team is from the back. You know, they're solid at the back. They have the best goalkeeper in Africa, plays for Chelsea also. I mean, so that's – speaking of which, that's also going to help them as a team going to the World Cup to have their center back and their goalkeeper on the same team so they have that consistency because, you know, you want that middle set. They have a very solid middle midfield with uh, Ganage. And now you have, like, a talisman in, um, in Sadio Mane. So if you just look at the Senegalese team, this is probably one of the better African outfits we've seen in a long time that's going to represent Africa in the world. I the argument that this, this is arguably, on paper, the most talented African team ever. Because if you look at the, the teams that these guys play for, there's never been an African team with this quality. Goalkeeper plays for Chelsea. Center backs, center backs now play for Chelsea and PSG. Right back plays for Bayern Munich. Left back plays for AC Milan. The midfielders play for PSG, Leicester. Front front men play for um, what's it called? Marseille, Bayern Munich. You know what I'm trying to say? So there's no team in Africa that you can look at all 11 players playing at the highest level. If you look at um, England's first 11 and you look at Senegal's first 11, Senegal have more players playing Champions League football on a more consistent basis than England do. And so, it's not like they're, it's not like they're on the bench. These are guys that start. So these are the play. guys that they play, play yeah. the minimal minute minutes. So again, like yeah. I've said, I mean, we've talked about this before, where the Senegalese team on on this podcast is basically the hope that we have. I do I do tend to say that sometimes they don't necessarily live up to the sum of the whole, uh, because individually you can see like the pedigree is there, but sometimes the performances don't always match what the pedigree is in terms of output. But hey. They're, they're maturing and they want to they want a major championship now so at this point you can kind of see that the thing this, that is I'm their most, time. this is definitely their time the thing i'm most excited for watching senegal is when they play against these african teams um majority of the time they are the better team and they sit back the other teams sit back and senegal are coming on to them i'm i'm interested to see when a team thinks they're as good as senegal like holland in the first game of the world cup i want to see how senegal approach that game I want to see if they sit back and they play on the counter-attack because they could be deadly in that way too. I want to know if they're going to decide to keep the ball and take it to the Netherlands. Oh, I, want to see Netherlands how, yeah. I want to see how they play against European teams or South American teams. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to because we know that they're, they're clear of any other African nation right now, you know? So well, let, let, Mohamed, let me ask you this though. I mean, so you said best African team ever. How would you compare them to the golden generation of Cote d'Ivoire? Where they had the drugs, the Yaya, the Jovinos, the and they were all playing for top teams at no, that time. They underachieved. I agree. Underachieved. I agree. But that's, but, that's only that's only three or four of the midfield and attackers. If you look at if you look at that team at the back, it was like you had players like Didier Zakora and um, obviously Czech Tiote who were who were playing at a decent level, but no one's telling no one's telling you Didier Zakora is playing starting in the Champions League game. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, this. Cora was there's, older, though, in all fairness. 
No, but regardless, was, like, yeah. the core's peak was never a Champions League player. Chick Tiote, um, may, may God rest his soul, was never a Champions League player. You know? Colo Torre was was reaching the, his his older age, although he he played at a very high level. Um, in in the golden generation, Colo Torre was was kind of old. Their goalkeeper, I think, was it was it um, uh, what was his name? Um, Bobakar. Uh, yeah, I, 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 he, he didn't play for any top teams. He, he no, was yeah, a, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he was not a top. He was not a top. In fact, he was the weak link on that team consistently. So although we know these guys and they were playing at decent levels. They weren't playing for Bayern Munich and PSG and Chelsea on a consistent basis. So that's where I put the difference. Of course, Yaya Torre is probably Yaya Torre and Didier Drogba are Yaya Torre and Didier Drogba. But Sadio Mane is still there. But Sadio Mane also has 10 other players that also Around play at the him. highest high levels. But, but yeah, you know, the thing is this. The metric, the metric that you're using is... Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead go ahead now. Uh, the, you can look at the Senegalese team. I think I think, I think, think Mo's right here. I think there's hardly any doubt. It's just the pedigree. It's... It, it, the proof is in the pudding, you know, the, the teams that they play for, it's from top to bottom, they typically have very good players. Now, maybe the bench isn't as strong, you know, necessarily mm -hmm. as the first 11. But, you know, again, the one thing I would say, though, is uh, I, I maintain that overall, I still feel like the Senegalese don't really uh, meet the performance for what you have in the talent. And so this is their time. Having finally overcome that hurdle of being... Uh, perennial almost ran, also ran to almost winners, and they finally actually got that championship. Let's see how they can take that mantle now and move on and represent uh, Senegal on the world stage. The game, I would say this, and I think we've talked about this before, the game is a little bit um, not as fluid as I like it to be. They, they lack a creative midfielder. That's the one thing they do lack on their team. So, But their, their brute strength and their athleticism might be able to see them through. But at the end of the day, yeah. you know, they're going to make – I see them being a quarterfinal level team and maybe just that extra oomph may get them to the semifinal if they the ball bounces their way. They, they have a, they, if they finish top of their group, they have a pretty easy route to the semifinal. So, um, and I think they can finish top of their group. I don't think Holland are the best team. I think um, Senegal can finish top of their group. Then they probably play the USA and then they play someone like Uruguay or something in the quarterfinals. And hey, you never know. Never You're talking I mean, about paper. You're talking about paper and permutations. That's why I said the lucky bounds of the. You know, sometimes these things don't end up working out the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and then all of a sudden, one team finishes second somewhere that shouldn't have finished second in that group, or Senegal ends up getting a red card in the game and they end up losing the game. Finish. You know. So again, if yeah. all things being equal, I see them being a quarterfinal team. I think that's where their level is at. But I can see a bounce or two allowing them to make a run. If things go their way, because Mohammed, the, 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 uh, your point is is valid in terms of the caliber of players and the quality of teams they play for, right? Um, and, and they've won Afcon. So while I brought up the Cote d'Ivoire example, Cote d'Ivoire never that that team didn't win Afcon, right? They didn't. I think, I think they did on penalties in 2014, but I was kind of after. Yeah, no, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. The team with DJ Dion. It wasn't the team, right? The team that should have won it lost to us in South Africa. Mm -hmm. The yeah. team that should have won it lost to Zambia in the finals on penalty kicks. That's what, the team. What, what Afcon was that? What in Afcon was that? 2012, and then 2013, they they, they came lost. back and we beat them the next we year. We beat them the when the yeah, when they came back, they were meant to you know go all the way, and we knocked them out with a Nigerian team. 
that some may argue because we had a bunch of home-based players on that team some may argue that that team shouldn't have even gone and we ended up winning it right so and when you when you compare that the current senegalese team and you look at the team with el haji Diof and uh kalilu fadiga that went all the way to the quarterfinals in that world cup uh i believe it was 2002 and beat france in the first game um that team no one gave them a chance right so and sometimes with african teams when you do give them a a, a big head and you you kind of put a lot of hope on them they tend to they tend to falter and then what do you think about that and um whether that's i 100 percent agree i 100 percent agree with you and um this is the conversation i have with my dad and my friends and like you can't put too much hope on african teams because there's just something holding us back right but the reason i feel like this could be different is because you have 10 guys playing in the champions league week in and week out it's different to didier drogba yaya Toure, solomon kalu and then guys that are playing in the that are playing in the premier league i mean obviously the premier league is an incredible league but i mean that are playing for ninth place teams 10th place teams these guys are playing in Champions League finals. So I don't think this is a team that pressure is an issue. Playing in Champions League finals, competing, winning the league on a regular basis is, is, is different. Well, yeah. So the thing yeah. about this is that I think some, I don't remember who it was, but it was a, an analyst or a group that broke down the champions of the World Cup or semifinalists for the World Cup. And they, they mentioned that, consistently speaking, you have to have a core group of your players playing up to the at least past the quarterfinals of the champions league and when you have a core group of your players playing at that level that's a Mm -hmm. marker a very good indicator of success in the world cup so you know i think to get to your point where you were talking about the fact that oh african teams tend to struggle with expectations you're right about that and uh i I think a lot of it is mentality but i also i I think mo is, is really hitting this on the head here it's the level of play that pressure that you've been under before have you played at that level? If you played at that level, then you know how to handle that pressure. Ran from uh, the last World Cup. Look at their squad. Just about the entire squad is full, is just ripe with top-level players who have handled that pressure. And so when they get into situations like that, they know how to handle the expectations of being front England got to the, to the Euro final. Their goalkeepers never played Champions League football before. Their midfield have never played Champions League football before. Harry Kane is not a regular, not a regular player in the Champions League. You know what I'm trying to say? So the the core of their team have Harry Maguire. He plays for Man United. He's not. He's he's in the champ. They're in the Champions League sometimes. Sometimes they're not in Champions League. And you know Harry Maguire. He's Harry Maguire. Um, what's it called? Calvin Phillips never played in the Champions League. Declan Rice never played in the Champions League. You know. So but, but then you, but you go through Senegal's team. Is Idris Gay, quarterfinal Champions League every single year. Khalidou Koulibaly, one of the top two centre backs in the world. Um, Sadio Mane won the Champions League two years ago. Um, Mendy won the Champions League two years ago. Uh, Bruno Sarr in the Champions League with Bayern Munich every single year, albeit he doesn't play as much. Yeah, was in the semi-finals just this 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 year to this past. So you're right, you're right. No, but but is is the focus is 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 the factor really is it Champions League or is it big games? Because if you if you you, no Champions League is is the biggest because yeah, it's being watched it's being watched around the world. But if you play in big games week in week out even if you play europa right and you play epl and you're playing in front of you know epl crowd stadiums are sold out and the level of competition and you're playing week in week out doesn't that keep you sharp enough where to the point where even if you're not playing a champions league right 
you're still functioning at such a high level no, that you can't perform in the World Cup. In the level, though, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, functioning yeah. at a high level in the Champions League is, is different to functioning at a high level away to Fulham and away to Bernabeu. They, they're both functioning at a high level, but one, like, the Bernabeu, Craven Cottage, there's, there's a massive difference, you know what I'm trying to say? No, and, there is, and, yeah. even, and even even the Bernabeu on a Champions League night is different than the Bernabeu on a regular La Liga yeah. night. Exactly. You know, playing against fourth place uh, team in Spain. Completely different atmosphere because that, that pressure is completely different. So, yeah, the Champions League is the top of the top. And when you play... So, let me ask you guys this. Let, let me ask you guys this then. So, how do you explain those teams that kind of struggle in domestic... Or, 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 you know, cup championships within their country, but then they succeed in the Champions League. And, you know, like you're in not terms of, in terms of too many of those teams, that's first of all. And second of all, a lot of those teams, a lot of times, they're not paying attention to those league. Like, let's just take Real Madrid, for example. They've won so many Champions League titles and they've won less domestic championships over the last 10 years and they've won champions league they focus their efforts on the champions league they know that on champions league wednesday that's or tuesday or wednesday this is where we're at this is in fact the league games are almost like just like you know setbacks for them or like we have rested players on a saturday or a sunday because they've got a big game on tuesday and wednesday barcelona were never resting players barcelona that's why barcelona have dominating the league but Real Madrid over the last five six years have absolutely dominated in Champions League they've won four of the last six Champions Leagues do you know how insane mm -hmm. that is no 100% it is so oh. but 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 the thing is this then if we go by that same reasoning Germany shouldn't have been knocked out last World Cup in preliminary stages Brazil no, no, in the last but, two but, World but, Cups but, 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 no what we're saying is when you look at the teams that are successful that's the marker of success that doesn't mean it's 100% of the time. And the Germans, they have their own... The Germans have been in decline for the longest prior to even the World Cup. It's not like they just showed up to the World Cup and just all of a sudden laid an egg. And also, there's also that thing where... I mean, it, it just consistently seems to be the case. When you win the World Cup one year, the next World Cup, you tend not to be as just as good. Maybe it's a yeah, over But why, why do you think that's the case, happen? though? Like, is there is there another fact? I'm, I'm asking this because maybe is there another fact that's missing? They failed to get out of the group stage in 2010. I don't know why it is. It's just it's just the, the World Cup curse, I guess. But it just happens. Because if, if, if you look at, I'll, I'll give you an, ex I'll give you an example. Right? Perhaps anymore. You know? Yeah, and I'm, I'm, the only little problems anyway with with Muller and Ozil and and then and then the whole Neuer getting dropped and then Bayern Munich saying, um, if you don't. If, if Neuer's not playing, we're not going to send you any more of our players, blah, blah. So Germany had their own problems. Italy were going through a rebuild and a recycle. That's why they missed the World Cup and then they won the Euros. You know what I'm trying to say? Obviously, they shouldn't have missed it again this time around. But, like, I mean, there's there's explanations for all of that. But um, just comparing this Senegalese team to African teams of past, I think I think there's completely, there's I think there's a gulf between them, in my opinion. No, no, no question about that. In terms of their quality, based mm. on world standard of football they're up there like where, player, where, for player, player for player right you can't you can't deny them that but the reason why i'm examining this is is trying to see what other factors are out there that kind of make certain teams underachieve if you will so you know you have all these pieces you look at a team on paper and you're like wow these guys are fantastic right so if, if you look at that game between senegal and france in 2002 you know, Senegal had no business winning that game. 
right? Or well, but they did. If you, if you, but, but they, they did. did, right? Or if you look at if you look at the game, because they were motivated. Motivation Correct. is a big factor. The fact that a lot of those guys, this was their chance to shine. Uh, you can't, they can't neglect the fact that France is an old colonial master of Senegal, and so those guys are probably even more motivated to face France than France themselves. Probably a little bit less motivated. They just won. Um, they had just won um, the World Cup in in 1998 and Euros in 2000. So all of those probably they were like not as an, as top and they probably kept players that were a little past their prime just because of loyalty. So you can't deny that. Now one of the things you were saying is why is it some of these teams don't tend to um, to to live up to the expectation or don't don't make it as far? Well, sometimes also there's that weight of expectation that they just haven't gone through before. If you've never done it, it's hard to just do it. You know, so now why, why, one of the reasons why we like Senegal to a certain extent is because they've done something now. They've won the African Cup of Nations. That's a big deal. Just like in 1994 with Nigeria, the first time going to the World Cup, it helped tremendously that they were coming off the back of winning the Af African Cup of Nations in 1994. So they now knew that, hey, we are winners. Mentality is a huge is a huge factor in sports. You can't overwrite that. So when you've never done it, it's sometimes it's hard for you to believe that it's possible to be done. And when you've done it, you feel like you can conquer anything. So and you feel, I mean, let alone African teams, how many teams in the world can say they have a top two goalkeeper in the world, a top two center back in the world, and a top two, top three Ballon d'Or attacker playing for them? Like France, Brazil, anyone. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So knowing that you have this type of quality in your team is going to motivate the rest of them around them. And then going back to what Michael said, they're literally coming off a win six months prior. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, so if they had lost this, if they had lost the, um, in, in the final, it would have been a completely different story because they, they're still coming off the back of that loss. Now, now they know how it feels to win. And on top of knowing how it feels to win, they know we've got some world-class players here. So that just motivates everyone around them. And um, I don't know, I, I just feel very, very confident about this, um, about the Senegal team. And on, apart from France, Brazil, I in, in, a, in, in, a, in a one game knockout game, yo, world-class players win games and I'm taking Senegal over most over most teams. The only reason why I'll say just pump your brakes a little bit is that you can realize that only so many countries have ever won the World Cup. And it's in this... The, there is, there is, there is something like that. But I, um, yeah. I believe Senegal can make a very deep. Interesting run. I, I think the semifinals is within their is within the realms of the possibility. But but they would need things to fall in their way for that to happen. It's within. It's within me. And if I think you get if to anything below quarterfinal, they should be disappointed, in my opinion. And then you and then you get to the semifinal, and then you get like a Croatia or. Um, or a Spain or a Portugal, hey, anything can happen, man. But we'll see how it goes. If we get to the semifinals, anything can happen. It's it's ninety yeah, minutes so of football. Well, well, once you get to, once you get to that level, you know, it's, it's a flipping coin, happen. man. Yeah, but I think you know my my thing with Senegalese team is, yeah, their quality is is top notch, and yes, they did win Afcon, but they seem to when I watch them, they seem to play to the level of competition, if you will. Um, and, and they also, if you look at that final game against Egypt, right? Yeah. I know the Egyptians kind of sat back a lot. They, they really sat back and, and Senegal controlled almost everything in that game. But that Egyptian team gave him, made him work for that win hard. 
You know what I mean? And even in the qualifications, right? Um, Senegal was a better team. I've never seen a team more lucky than Egypt in my entire <laughs> life, bro. Any other, any, other, any other game or any other time, any other goalkeeper, Senegal scored six in both games, bro. Like that, the goalkeeper, goalkeeper, that goalkeeper had a game of his life. I was seeing some saves I've never seen in my life. You Like, God was with them for real, bro. <laughs> What I'm trying to say, I've never experienced anything like that. You see Stadio well, Mani missing one one well, on one. Well, but that's what I was saying. And that's my that's my only beef with, with Senegal. They're not they're not very fluid. In fact, the word I was looking for earlier is they're more they're a rigid team. You know, like they rely more on their physicality and and pace down the flanks. But the the technique needs to be refined a little bit more. And that's actually kind of one of the issues we have in African football. Like the the wingers crosses and not usually precise you know it, it's it's more of brute strength and you know and, I, and 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 when you play in the world cup that's not enough unfortunately and i think i think that's the one thing they're lacking is that again i said it earlier is that key midfielder that can actually hold on to the ball and unlock the defense so they usually rely on long balls down the wings and then you know saudi omani chasing balls down and making something happen and uh it's milo Sar if he's playing with saudio being the other chief tormentor and the four of for Saudi Omani. So that's, that's the only thing. Otherwise, in that game against Egypt, man, they really – we say the goalie – obviously the Egyptian goalie was exceptional in that match. He should have been man of the match that game. Um, but I think Senegal actually flopped their lines quite a bit. I, I mean, Saudi Omani missed the penalty in the first five minutes of that match. So mm. that, that's that the pressure was probably on them. It was like there was a lot of pressure on them. It was, Egypt – you no know, one gave Egypt a chance after they lost to Nigeria in the first round and seeing their performances all through the tournament. It was just very insipid. Wow. You know, they were just relying on Mosala to do something. Mosala, really, if you think about it, from that tournament, he didn't really do anything. And he never really Egypt was the same. journalist of African football, bro. That would have been the biggest, like, it would have been, oh, my goodness. I, was, I, yeah. I wrote an article comparing... Egypt's run to the final, to Greece's run to the final. In, uh, <laughs> they were terrible. They were. But speaking of African football, though, I don't know. Is that, have you guys been watching any of the women's African uh, Cup of Nations at all? You no, you've been those? keeping me up to date. I've missed most of the games, but... um. Oh, wow. I, I would say this. The quality, uh, you know, it's just a slight recap if you give me a little bit of a, a chance. One of the problems we're having in CAF right now is that CAF has decided to turn our youth tournaments and um women's qualifying for the youth tournaments and the women's tournaments into regional competitions and a lot of people are arguing that that's not putting forth the best quality the best countries because traditionally speaking the west african teams have always dominated the youth team the under 17 on the 20s and the women's uh women's football in africa where you have the likes of ivory coast ghana nigeria and the little cameroon is not necessarily west africa but for all intents and purposes they are those typically are the strongest teams on the continent. And then South Africa joins in and maybe Zambia and a bunch of other countries uh, pull up the rake. So Guinea is one couple. But now with CAF's new system, they have the zones, qualification in the zone. So now West African teams have to all battle each other and only one or two will come out of that. The argument is that for CAF is that it's, it's developing, it's helping to develop all the other part, uh, parts of the continent and whether youth or women's football. But the, the corollary to that argument is that we're not putting forth our best teams for the World Cup because these competitions, the under-17, under-20, AFCONs, and the WAFCON, are the qualifications for the World Cup. 
Hence, for the first time, we see a country like Zambia qualifying for the World Cup. Not a bad team. I'm not saying they are. Senegal. And although now, because the Women's World Cup has increased to 32 slots, Africa has a possibility of having two more teams qualify through uh, an a intercontinental playoff. But be that as it may, uh, one thing I would say watching this tournament, which I did follow quite a bit, is that the standard of play in the women's game has improved. It's nowhere near the European standard. I know, I don't know, I know England is celebrating today having beaten Spain in the quarterfinals in a game that went extra time and it was quality football, quality football, especially from the Spaniards. Um, but the standard of play has gotten better. Nigeria has always won the tournament. I believe we won nine out of 11, but they didn't win the semifinals against Morocco under what some people call dubious circumstances when they had two players sent off. If you ask me, I'll say they deservedly were sent off, but they showed a lot of valiance by hanging on for an hour with nine women to at least take the game to penalty shootouts where they ended up losing. The finals is between South Africa and um, and Morocco, the host country. The Moroccans, very they're, they're being coached by an ex. I'm sorry. When is that game? That game will be on Saturday. Uh, I, I believe it's on Saturday. I don't. Yeah, I th- it's on Saturday. I think the Moroccans are being coached by an ex-coach of uh, Lyon, which and he's a former. Cha- he won two Champions Leagues in the European uh, Champions Leagues with Lyon in the past. So they they actually invested in their program, and you can see the quality of their play is top notch. Perhaps they just don't have the finishing, which they should have buried Nigeria. Quite frankly, I've been playing a man two women up with for sixty minutes and extra time, but. Uh, South Africa has a pretty decent team also, but, you know, these teams are not really at the level of what I'm seeing in the European game. But having said that, the quality of play in Africa has definitely gotten up. I would say we need to give more more uh, attention to the women's game overall. Yeah, not just in Nigeria. No, I agree. I think, um, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, uh, especially in Nigeria. You know, when you just mentioned the number of trophies and the number of Afghans for women, on how many they've won compared that to the men it's night and day you know they've won more trophies and i think we've talked about this about them being arguably the most successful african teams team period in terms of championships they've won and how they've qualified and what they've done and you know it's a shame how do how do nigeria's um women team do in the world cup Generally, because I'm assuming they get there quite often. Well, they've been to every single World Cup and have only made the quarterfinals once, unfortunately. Okay. So they, 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 the, the, the victories in Africa doesn't really translate, and that's really the big, the big issue. And some of that is just uh, exposure also. Exposure. The women are starting to become more exposed, but now the women are playing all over. You know, you have a lady like Asisat Oshala, who has been a four-time African Women's Player of the Year, and I think the current one. She plays for Barcelona. Barcelona, and, yeah. And, and, she, and with Barcelona was just in the finals of the Women's Champions League just this last, and I think they lost Leon again. But she was the top scorer in the league, and she didn't even – she missed about six to eight weeks of that league due to injury. Of course, she's playing with the best players in the world. So, uh, in fact, speaking of just that, we there's often this conversation that Asisa doesn't really replicate her form in club level. She comes to the national team and yeah. – that actually she she actually got injured in the very first game of this uh competition and a lot of people tell you that nigeria looked a lot better once she was gone than when she was there playing because oftentimes they want to lock the ball to her at every given opportunity play was a little more coordinated but i'll say maybe with the margins being so fine in the semifinals 
and we truly miss her. Yeah, you, and you know the thing is, um, when you look at that Nigerian team, I haven't seen any other games recently, but overall, like what you were saying, like you know, Mike just mentioned that they've got to the quarterfinals. Our men have never gotten to the quarterfinals, right? So even on that level, they've achieved more than our men. So when you look at the Nigerian game, they need to allocate more resources, uh, more money, more, better training of coaches for the women because they've definitely shown that with the limited resources they have, with the cultural factors, Mohammed, and I know you know what I'm talking about. You know, they've, despite all of that, they've been able to do what they've done. And that speaks volumes. Yeah, it speaks volumes, man. They definitely need to get more money to them, need to give them more support, and need to help them help them grow. Um, to transition here, there, there, was, there, was, there was something uh, Mike and I have debated on this on this platform, which is the number of teams that go to the world cup for men um they're, they're, they're trying to mike mike's laughing they're trying to they're trying to um increase the number of teams in africa well, i don't even um, care how many teams are in the world cup just give us more african teams bro there's no like there's no excuse that a continent that has 13 countries in um south america should have four teams in a World Cup, but a country with 52 countries have only five. Do you know how ridiculous it is that teams like Ivory Coast don't even get to the final qualifying stage? And a bro, it's it makes no sense, bro. It makes no sense. Yeah, Mohammed, we this 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 is an this is an argument, uh, a conversation that we've had and rehashed. And um, I don't know that we have all the time to just go through all that. <laughs> thing, but I would say this, and I made this point very very clear and succinct back then you know when you start saying 13 um in south america right it's it it removes you kind of sort of ignore the fact that when you look at the rankings of those teams most of those teams are higher ranked than most of the african teams but then here's the other thing i said and i, I made this point and I, this was like my point when you look at the number of teams that qualify so they get what what they get four they get four automatic and one continental Right. If you look at them, if you look at the competition, they always have. It's the same six teams that always qualify from South America. It's the mm -hmm. same six teams. It's not, it's not like it's so. And that's that tells me that it's the rank. The I, I want to see the best teams in the World Cup. In fact, for me personally, the World Cup is about to get diluted because now I think they're going to increase to was it forty countries are about to be in the in the world the World Cup in Canada and America. So now qualification almost becomes irrelevant now because everybody everybody that's worth anything is going to qualify. The U.S. and Mexico are, and are guaranteed to always be there now. Uh, the top five South American teams are guaranteed to always be, but they always have been guaranteed anyway. The top, the top three South American teams are always guaranteed, no matter what, if you look at it historically, if they're in the rankings. It's the same countries that always qualify from South America. So it's always Brazil and Argentina that have the slot. Then Uruguay. The, the revolving doors between Uruguay, Colombia, um, and really one more team that Peru just happened to crack it's actually, that. It's actually, 46, it's actually 48 teams in the next World Cup. Exactly. So now, and well, I think the argument we're making now is going to be moot. I do not want to see low-quality football in the World Cup. And I'm, 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 I'm sorry. When no, I don't qualify, they don't deserve to be there. No, sorry. But if, you not good teams, if you look at some of the teams that missed out, and like, I missed out, for example, you're telling me if Italy goes to the World Cup, it'll be lower quality. You're telling me if Ivory Coast and Nigeria go to the World Cup, it'll be lower quality. I don't think so. 
But sometimes, so. my friend, sometimes, my friend, some good quality teams are going to miss out. That's that's the beauty. That's in fact, that's the beauty of the World Cup. Guess what? Nigeria didn't not qualify because of a numbers crunch. They didn't qualify because they couldn't beat Ghana. They couldn't score. They couldn't. They couldn't beat Ghana at home in Nigeria. Simple as that. Nigeria went out because of. And, two and, and quite frankly, we had this argument. And in fact, with this conversation, I already predicted that Nigeria was not going to qualify once we were there. Really? I did. It's it's on it's on record. So it wasn't a surprise because I mean you got to look at all the factors that led to that particular moment, and they were doing everything. Literally, they were doing everything in their power to not qualify, and it, it bit them in the behind. You know, it wasn't, I mean, it, Mohammed, it wasn't a function of quality of players. It was a function of management and selection. I'm not aware of what goes on management-wise because I don't follow Nigeria football, obviously, as close as you yeah. guys. Yeah. I'm just looking at it from, from a quality perspective. You know what I'm trying to say? I saw what happened to Ghana at the African Cup of Nations. I saw how well Nigeria started the African Cup of Nations without Victor Ossiman. I put all of that together and I was like, okay, there's no way in hell, no matter what happens, that this Ghana team goes to Nigeria and gets a result. There's just no way. But then... That, guess, and that's what I'm saying about that X factor, right? Because when Ghana plays plays Nigeria... Credit to Ghana. They die on the field to play that's how They're ready for them. For, for Nigeria, it's a game we have to win. For them, it's life or death. Life no. Like it's 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 it's, it's, it's it becomes it becomes listen whatever it takes, and they yeah, literally no. do whatever they they move that game from Accra to where they play was it Kumasi? Yeah. They they did that on purpose because of the number of Nigerians in Accra. Right? They 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 do everything, and you know what? Watching two legs of that game, I give them credit because. They hired this guy that was a Ghanaian-born German guy, German-born Ghanaian. Yeah. German who came in and he really revamped the tactics. No, you got to give them credit. You got to give them credit. Yeah, I um, give them credit. I they, give them credit. They showed, man. they showed something in in those games. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say, like they 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 looked set up. They looked they looked strong. You said the key word, Mohammed. They set had a coach. Up. We didn't. Simple as that. They had yeah. a coach. We did not. And another thing too, like you know, Victor Simon is a great name, but Mo Mo Nigeria has overrated players. Our Nigerian players are average. That's just the truth of the matter. <laughs> look, okay, so that's a good segue. Look at the transfer market. Who's Mo? Who's he's harsh. He's he's he's, he's harshest. Just so you know, he's harshest on Nigerian players. Oh, uh, look, look, look. <laughs> he expects how many more. how many top clubs are fighting over Nigerian players? We're looking at uh, a guy, Emmanuel Dennis. He's looking like Nottingham Forest is the best looking club that is looking like a seriously trying to get him. But, Everyone, but, I mean, but but context. Emmanuel Dennis spent a lot of time injured last year. He didn't get to showcase himself that well last year. If we're Emmanuel being honest, Dennis showcased himself as well as he showcased himself. He's he was responding to forty five percent of goals that Watford had. By the time mm. by the time what it was a fate accomplished that Watford was going to get uh, relegated. Everybody already knew that this guy doesn't belong in this. He's a higher level than Watford. Well, he already true. established himself. The, his problem is is his problem is an attitude problem, and also he's not a team player. You know, he's all about himself. Look, Victor Dennis should be starting for Nigeria anyway. You know what I'm trying to say I think it should be. Well, I'm, I'm just giving an example. Look at the other guys. Look at the, I mean, look, what Nigerian player are you rating? Victor Simon and um, Wilfred. Chik- that, Chik- that's Chik- it. Chik- 
Chick Weezy. His production is not that great. His output is not that great. He play, he's non-splayer, but he's non-splayer of the year in league. Oh, is anybody is anybody jumping over the door to like get? He's in the transfer market. Nons is saying, okay, we're accepting that he's going to leave. No one is knocking on the door trying to I'm sign talking him. About, I'm talking about Chukwezi from Villarreal. Chukwezi flatters to deceive. He flatters. He doesn't get, he's not a regular in, in Villarreal. He, Jeremy, Jeremy Pino is, gets more playing time if he's healthy. You know what I'm saying? One of the reasons why, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying the players, are, but they're average. They're not as good as we, no one is knocking on the doors trying to get these guys. The guys that the guys that got solid transfers this transfer windows were not Nigerian-born players. Joe Aribo and Calvin Bassey. They were both raised in England. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. What, what are the transfers? You see Nigerian players are transferring to Fenerbahce. That's a that's the level. They're transferring to Northern Forest from Bundesliga. Taiwan Wani. That's the level. The transfer market doesn't lie. They, 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 how you how you're rated is where you're gonna go. We just talked about Senegal. Look where their players play. No one's ever gonna be like, oh, Senegal's players they play and not just play. All, all of this, all of this being said, you guys were knocked out of the African Cup of Nations with a goalkeeping error. You guys were knocked out of the World Cup with a goalkeeping error. Do you know what I'm all you of this. But as bad as you're making it seem right now, that as bad as as hard as things are. You look, could have made a deep run in the um, Africa Cup of Nations and you would have been at the World Cup. If would have, could have, should have, but didn't. What's what's consistent is that we got well, knocked out harsh. of the Africa Cup of Nations <laughs> and we didn't make the World Cup. Those those are not flukes. You know, those things didn't happen in a vacuum. They, they, they were like series of decisions and situations occurred. You know, I mean, even our other supposed world-class players. From an outside looking in, I saw Nigeria dominate two games against Ghana, games that they should have won and games that they got unlucky. No, no, they, they dominated in the game in, in Kumasi. I agree with you. Yeah. But again, the one chance that fell to Moses Simon, he fluffed his lines. That was mm. a chance of the game. He Again, quality is not – he's not that quality. The average mm. players. In Lagos, I disagree with you. The second half was completely dominated by Ghana. They in Abuja. In Abuja. That, that second half. <laughs> By, yeah. by the time it was one, by the time it was time for, we didn't even mount any offensive against Ghana in that oh. second half. Barely. Yeah, to be, in the game where we needed what, to go at home. That's what disappointed me the most in the last 30 minutes of the game. You guys would throw everything at it. That's what, because it was 1 1 at the time. You need one, one goal to qualify for the World Cup. I'm surprised that you let that game wither away the way you did. And, and that's what surprised me the most. And that's what disappointed Mentality me. Mentality and average players. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. In Africa, you can you can do well with average players because you're playing teams like Sudan, teams like Guinea-Bissau. And I would have much preferred Nigeria, quality-wise, over Ghana to be in the World Cup from a neutral anyway. Do you know what I'm exactly. so that's I, agree I, I agree with you but, on that. But you have to earn it. You can't you can't hope to get there. You have to earn it on the field. And the team that deserve to go on the over the two legs, sorry, they deserve did you guys did you guys see the Cameroon and Algeria game? Did you guys get a Oh yeah, oh yeah. That was that was that was that was insane. Talk Bro, about a game. Cause, so I was watching the thing is I, I like to do this thing because I've got I've got the the T I've got all African TV in it, so I like to watch it on African TV. So I was watching the extra time on Algerian TV. When Algeria scored the goal in the 118th minute, the guy was crying. Allah Akbar. Oh, yes. <laughs> and my dad was like, "Yo, I wouldn't be surprised if they concede, like, because they brought God into it so much." 
all goes in. Toko, it can be. It, it can was be. unbelievable. Absolute. I, I tell you what, man. Mohamed, I tell you what. Cameroon's a dark horse, man. The thing about those Cameroon, and I mentioned this to Mike. I said, just when you count them out, when you think that these guys are not going to amount to anything, they shock you. And that's what they did in that qualification series. I remember Mike and I talking about it, and he was saying that, listen, Algeria has not been beaten in, in, Algeria, in, in Algeria in a long time. And that was the truth. But these guys went there against all odds. And that's what Cameroon does. 1990 World Cup, game against Italy. What they do, right? I was in Argentina. Argentina, yeah. What they do, right? These guys, I swear they to you. They had two men sent off in that match. Cameroon, when you don't pay attention to them, and the one thing I'll give this Cameroonian team is when I watch them, what, what hits me the most is how athletic these guys are. The whole These guys are, there's some really good athletes on that team. All across the board, when you watch them run, how physical, how strong. If they go in there and they just include some kind of tactical sense to them. <laughs> Uh, that game is so uh, Mohammed in Nigeria. We say it's gra gra. That's what they play with football. It's just brute strength. And brute they just, strength. Brute yeah, strength. Yeah. Mohammed, you're not going to beat these guys on physicality. Let me put it that way too. I don't know yeah. what it is. They've got something about them. I don't know, man. But but it's it's depending. I don't know. Do you know what Cameroon's group is like in the World Cup? Um, they've got I think they've got. Uh, I think they're the same group as um. I know they're in the same group as Brazil, I believe. Brazil, I Switzerland. I mean, all we have to do is look it up real fast. I I, I had this before, but I've forgotten. Uh, I know it's Brazil. Uh... Um, yeah, it's Brazil, Switzerland, Serbia, and, mm. um, uh, and Cameroon. Outside of Brazil, it's up in the air, man. I mean, I, I mean, I, mean, I, I think I think the Swiss have a good team, but against that Cameroonian physicality. I think you know. I think I think I think all three. I think all three teams in that group, other than Brazil, are very well matched, and yes. anything can happen. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think Serb- I, 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 I love Serbia personally. I love I I I love Serbian football. I like how they play. I love their players. When mm-hmm. you take a look at you know Kolarov, I used to love Kolarov when he played for Man City. Ghana and Uruguay in the same group. Yeah, man. But Ghana and Uruguay in the same group. That's gonna be that's gonna be sick. But my money, my believe it or not, I think my money's on Ghana this time. I think Ghana beats him because the these Ghanaians. Yeah, Uruguay's old. Cavani's not the same guy. Suarez could still do one of few things, but he's not the same guy. Plus, the Ghanaians have a reason. <laughs> and they got about four more uh foreign born players, including mm-hmm. Naki Williams. And that commit to, to Ghana. Yeah. has joined them too. Listen, mm-hmm. and, and Ghana Tariq has a reason. Tariq, I know Boma, you like Tariq Lamptey. I love that kid, man. Love yeah. that kid. Love that kid. And and, and I think they, you know this Ghanaian team just changed. And Ghana, one thing I know about them, when you when they have a reason to play you, and they have a reason. They have a vendetta, a personal vendetta against Uruguay. Suarez yeah, think, is in that I think, game. I think for the first time, I think for the first time, African teams have been blessed in their groups, and I think we could see at least we could see maybe three or four in the round of sixteen this year. I hope so, Mo. Because that, but that that was also my argument when we were and just doubling back a little bit on that whole uh, number of teams to come out of the of uh, the group stage, and and 
I gave, I didn't want to rehash the whole argument because we have a whole episode of literally spent about 20 minutes just discussing that whole topic, maybe even longer. But a couple of things I mentioned was that when you talk about um, <clears throat> if, if there were so many great teams out of Africa, right, then we'll see more variety in the number of countries that qualified. But 2010, to, uh, 2014, and sorry, let me go back. 2010 and 2014, it was the same exact five countries that qualified after out of 54. You can look it up. When you go back in the history of African qualifiers, there's only so many teams. There's only like a sample of seven to eight countries that always qualify. Those are the countries. That's it. So I don't want to see Zambia if they're not good enough. Maybe the Zambia of Kalusha Bualia in the, the, the mid I, I, I mean, in the Mali and Tunisia game, I would have liked to see Mali at the World Cup. But Mali, my, 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 you know, it's funny. I said the same because Tunisia doesn't do anything when they go to the World Cup. They don't have no, any just, They just go there to lay down. That's all but, they but do. Let me, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me finish this point I'm trying to make, if you allow me for a second here. The point I'm trying to make is when you go back, African teams are not making it out of the group stage. Period point blank. They're not making out a good stage. And and that's going back to lots of World Cups. It's go back to 19 since Cameroon made it. In Cam in 1990, it was only Cameroon. So that that kind of ignored, but that of course there's only two countries that qualified then. But it was only Cameroon. And when they gave us more slots in 93, in 94, Nigeria was the only country that qualified. Morocco didn't, Tunisia didn't that year. Um, if you go to 2000 and 1998, Nigeria made it out of the group stage. Morocco had a chance to do it. They flopped their lines on the last game again with uh, the um, uh, what's his name, Haj, uh, Haji, that and that 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 squad that they had. If you go to 2002, Senegal was out of the group. I don't remember any other African country that qualified. But, but then again, bro, I feel like it's a double-edged sword though because when you have less teams in there, you have less chance to come out of the group stage. You, you, have five, like you have five teams in the you, Africa has five teams. It consistently I had five it, teams since 2002. But all you need is two of them to be in very difficult groups, and you've already knocked them out. But you, but 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 more, you're making excuses. I'm talking. I'm giving you historical precedent since. You're right. You're not, and so, I, I, and, and you can make excuses all you want. This, these are the realities. The countries that that are the best. It's the same countries that go. It's always Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon, Cote d'Ivoire. That's it. Egypt will mm -hmm. join in every once in a while. Once in in. Actually, you don't even count Egypt. Don't go to the World Cup, you know. And maybe an odd team will. Senegal is starting to join the mix now, right? It never used to beat them. Togo oddly went one year. Angola oddly went another year. That's it. No Southern. Oh, South Africa. But but again, if those teams I mentioned are the only ones that consistently usually go. It's a pool of about seven countries that go consistently, and they don't qualify. Nigeria has been out of it. They came out of it in 2014. But that that team, nobody even looked at that team and said that's a good team. Oh, Mike, Mike let me ask you this, though. Do you think if a team qualifies for the World Cup, um, if they give us more slots and a team that typically doesn't qualify goes, do you think it helps the overall development of football in that country? I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably does. But look, it's not a charity case. This is the World Cup. If you look, the development of uh, uh, the development stage of football is in, on the 17s and on the 20s. That's where you see more, a lot more countries going in. You develop your game at home. You develop on your continent. You don't develop it at the highest stage. It's like asking the NFL to be a developmental league. I don't want to see developmental teams in the National Football League. It's the top league. I don't want to see developmental teams in the Premier League. I want the best 20 teams to be out there. 
Granted, there's always going to be two teams that are not as good as the top. That's why they get relegated. You see what I'm saying? So, and this is again the World Cup. I want to see. I, the best agree. Of the I, don't, I don't want charity teams, but I do. I, I would also like to see Ivory Coast. Then you know what I'm trying to say. Well, if Ivory Coast deserves to go to the World Cup. They will qualify, and they did that for 2010, 2014, 2006, 2002. You know why? They were the best team in Africa at that time. No one was going to argue with that. Did and. Ivory Coast case, yes, we can argue they were always unfortunate. They always seem to be in a group of death every single time. But that's not true in 2014. They it blew it in 2014 against Greece at the last Greece of all countries. That's where they lost. They conceded in the last minute to a penalty when they had the game under control. Again, let's look inward, man. We can't be looking for charity cases. We need to develop our game. Our, our, our quality of our game needs to step up. The technicality of our football needs to step up. Uh, we need to develop more midfielders in the African game, and we need to know how to learn how to manage the games and when we have these games. And look at Nigeria in 2018. We're playing against Argentina where a draw is all we need, and we concede a goal in the last minute. And these things are always because, quite frankly, we're not there yet. When the top teams, when Nigeria is making those silly errors, is it Zimbabwe that you want to come into the World Cup as an 18 that's going to put in a good show? No. I'll do all due respect to Zimbabwe. All due respect. <laughs> gotta put that in there. But 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 I think um they're increasing it anyways. Regardless of what we think, they're going to increase the numbers. And I'm curious to see how CAF changes up the qualification setup for us to um how they're I mean, gonna set it. I think I think what's unfair you know what I mean? is the qualification setup where you got 10 groups and only the top team in the group goes through. And then you know what I'm trying to say. It's, it's such a grueling, grueling process because then you get you get what you get a situation that happened where you got Ivory Coast and Cameroon in the same group, and you know one of them is going to miss out on the World Cup. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. It's basically a, it's basically an elimination when they play each other. So yeah. I feel like in, in, in the qualification for 2018, the group was Zambia, the defending African defending African champions, right? I'm uh, sorry, uh, I, I take that back. They're not the defending African champions. It was uh. Algeria, uh, Cameroon, the defending champions, Zambia, and Nigeria. Those are the four countries in that in that in that group, in that final group. And only one was going to make it up to the World Cup. Do you know the reason why all those countries? Well, Zambia, obviously, for obvious reasons, we know they're the least of the pedigree of those countries. Cameroon at the time had been going through a, a low spell. Algeria had been going through a low spell, a little bit of a low spell. Actually, sorry, I take that back. Nigeria had been going through a little bit of a low spell because we hadn't qualified for the past previous two AFCONs. Uh, after winning the AFCON in 2013, we missed out in 15 and 17. So our ranking in Africa was really low. It's all based on rankings, you know. So it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Somebody's going to miss out. Somebody's going to miss out. Because you know why they're going to miss out? Because their rankings are like from 20-something Maybe the top team in Africa is in the 2020. I mean, Senegal this year, I think, in the top 20. But typically, Africa's top team is 20-something in the ranking. And the 10th the ranked team is usually in the 60-something. So I'm not going to be expecting a 65th ranked team to display. I want yeah. to see. Senegal, Senegal's 18. Hmm? Senegal's 18. No yeah, so Senegal's 18 this year. That's, that's, not, that's unusual. Most of the time, the top African country is not in the top 20. Most of the time. The South African team is inside or outside of the top 20. 
It's unfortunate. You may argue about the FIFA rankings, but look, that's what we have. When you look at South America, you have at least three teams within the top 15, typically. Typically. Maybe not yeah, right not now, because I think South right. America is going really There's, low right now. They've got four teams in the top 20. So are you saying you, know, you, you can't argue that it's unfair for those top four teams to be in the World Cup? You can mm. argue what you want at all, only, but those are the top, the, the top, the four teams in the top twenty. Yeah, but how much? Are, how, but how many teams are they increasing the slots? For it's the number thirty-two to forty-eight. So everybody's qualifying mm. now. Yeah, you. So you're gonna see uh, Madagascar and uh, no, Sao Tome. Sao <laughs> Tome is qualifying. Like Nigeria, we don't want anybody ten zero, and we just want a match on the continent. And I know it happened in Europe too, but come on. Well, Mohammed, look, I I know you're from Somalia, so hopefully, you know, Somalia gets to qualify. That would be pretty cool. Let's, let's get Afcon first. Yeah, you know, but yeah. no, you know what? It all starts from somewhere, and and here's the thing. Like this is sports dev series, right? There's no, a real, quick, real quick, real quick, before before we move on, <clears throat> are you guys are you guys aware of the um the Chan competition that's happened in Africa? Oh yeah, yeah. we call yeah. that very very closely. Yeah, champion. What's it called? The African Championship. Something something. Yeah, domestic yeah. players across I'm the really board. Yeah. Forward to that. I'm really looking forward to see to see how these teams match up with players only from the domestic leagues. I'm really looking forward to that. So, so we... the, the, the Morocco, <laughs> the North African teams typically dominate this. And it doesn't, do it's well. not surprising the countries that, that do well. North African teams and the Congo teams. And if you look at them and you look at the continental um, leagues, those are the best leagues on the continent. The African those are the teams that win the Champions League. The CAF Champions Africa. Leagues, those are the countries that make it to the semifinals regularly. Their leagues are functioning. Nigeria, again, not to make it Nigeria-centric, but obviously, we, you know, that's where we look at a lot. They don't do so well of recent because their league is non-functioning. And again, and, and, and the point I was going to make is it all goes back to the development of the sport, right, in, in, in the local country. So everything is a function of that piece. Listen, it's not, a, it's, not, it's not luck or it's not by some kind of fate that Senegal has put together a squad that... Um, all of a sudden has players that are highly demanded in, in, in the highest on the highest platform in Europe. I remember when Patrick uh, Vieira and the current Senegalese coach, uh, what's his name? Um, I forgot his name, the current guy was coach. They came together and they opened up the Ambars, which was um, a development academy in Senegal. And since then, there have been several that have opened up. And when you look at the population of Senegal, it's a small country. Population is not that vast. And to be able to get players that can be developed at this level, it speaks to the amount of work that's being put in Senegal. And that's just a function of, that's what it comes down to. And if you look at a lot of these African countries, they just don't do the work. That's what it comes down to. They're not putting in the effort to create a scenario where their coaches are getting trained and getting licenses at the highest level. So their youth football is growing and developing. They're putting out players that are highly skilled and highly technical. That's all it, it is, also, man. It also helps that they get a lot of players that from France too. That, some of them are from France, yeah. Some of them from Sadio Mane isn't. Um, you know, uh, I don't think Sar isn't. I don't think Sar is French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you look at some of those guys, you're like, hey, they, you know. So Senegal, they actually have a good conveyor belt of players that can come through. Um, then it, it takes it takes a few selfless people in in higher positions 
to uh, to actually care about the country and care about the country's football. Because one thing that we suffer from Africa, and it's no secret, is um, everyone's very, very greedy. Especially those at the top, they they they'll they see an opportunity to make a bit of extra cash for their pocket, and rather than putting it into what it's supposed to go into, they take for themselves. And I guess um, I guess a country like yeah. Nigeria um, is lucky. Because you produce <laughs> so much talent that it's... It, it, it's uh, we beg to differ on this. This is why we're not in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, because because you, you have such talented players, it can kind of cover up what's actually going on. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Because, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're able to produce a Victor Osimhen, Joe Aribo, Wilfred Ndidi. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And um, a country like Somalia, obviously not, nowhere near the calibre of Nigeria. It's a lot because we don't have the talent we need every single penny to go into the team to improve it. And it's a lot more noticeable with the smaller countries than it is with the bigger countries. But it's a it's a continent-wide problem without a shadow of a doubt. No, it is a continent-wide problem. And if you look at what a lot of countries are doing these days, instead of trying to put in the effort into developing and creating structures that can develop talent and, 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 and get quality players, they just go to, they wait for someone else to do it. And they just go poach the guy. Oh, well, you know what? There's this Somali kid that's playing for the Dutch U20 team we're going to go convince his parents that he needs to come play for Somalia instead. And that's what that's what you see people like, especially in Nigeria. But then, but, then, um, but then you try and convince them, but then what facilities are you even considering? Because he's used to he's used to playing for Ajax his whole career. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And you're telling him to come Correct. play. Um, Correct. In- and Mo, Mo, it's funny you say that, man. You know how you were talking? I'm sure you watched that Nigeria versus Ghana match. I don't know. If the first, One of the things you would have noticed is the horrible state of that pitch that the Eagles were playing. And I mean, we have guys that are used to playing on lush green surfaces week in, week out, and then you bring them and tell them to play on that that useless field and you expect them to be a, perform optimally. And this is and this is Nigeria we're talking about. So and, imagine and, how it is when you're Somali. And, and speaking of the greed, we were just talking about the women's, the women's uh, Falcons, how great they are. Just yesterday, they refused to practice ahead of the third place match because they're, they're being owed bonuses. These are women <laughs> that do... Literally, if you watch that semifinal match against Morocco where they were playing against the fans, 11 against 9, the, the Super Falcons lost the match on penalty kicks, but they came out looking much more valiant than all the other teams that have won nine championships because they fought to the very end. They gave every sweat, every ounce of blood they had. If they could give, they gave it, and they're being owed their allowances, not just from this tournament, but from years in the years. It's demoralizing. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's it's shameful, is what it is. Like that, that should not even be something that should come up in the I'm conversation. I'm a very optimistic person normally. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like I speak about my country, my continent in the highest possible way. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But there's like there's no doubt that there are issues, like fundamental issues from from the very bottom that obviously need to change if we want to see uh, improvement in our football. And, and you can see that with Senegal, they they put in about five six years of. Um, foundation building and you, you look at them now you've got an entire country where your players are playing in champions league finals on a regular basis and that's something that's unheard of when you're when you're african no, it's, it's more than five or six years it, like, like what Bomer was saying it's it starts from you know investing in all these uh, um mm-hmm. academies that they had and making sure they're doing the right thing not just siphoning money you know and using it to enrich the pockets of politicians are we going to talk uh, American football at all? Because I yeah, that was, that was going to be that was going to be my next transition because um, we are we are we, Mohammed. Yeah, we we got to get you back because um, I was going to transition. So 
so what what's the vibe in in london like for the nfl and um like these games like- these games that they have there you know it's once a year if i'm not mistaken they go over there once a year sometimes they'll take the jaguars or they'll take you know the dolphins no, um, so there's four games there's four games a year here in four london, games a year so okay okay only i think this year is this year's three? I think it's three this year. Because the fourth one they're taking to Germany this year. So there's going to oh, be okay, a fourth one. Europe in general. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, so in Europe, there's usually four games a year. But this year, they're taking it to, they're taking, it's actually Tom Brady coming to, coming to play in Munich, which is, which is incredible. But um, I feel like because of that one, it's, it's always in the month of October. So it's always like week four, five, six, et cetera. And um, the whole city, the NFL market is so well that they close down entire roads and, they make it just NFL stands all over the place. So, so, so they're trying to they're trying very, very hard to bring it to to the country. And I feel like there is a real passion for it, you know. Like there's a real there's a real love for the game here. It's growing um, per year, um, and and I'm glad I'm glad it is. I mean, I'm not I'm not too interested in it because the plan is for me to is for me to move to the states anyway and and cover it out there. But it's good to see it growing where it is at home, you know. How did you get into How did you get into football yourself? Um, I mean, my entire family lives in the United States. So from the age of like six, I was going to, to going to Boston. Um, 2004 was the first time I went to the Gillette Stadium to watch a game. I had no idea what was going on. I was like eight years old, but I just see it. So it was always something I was I was surrounded with. It's always something that I that I was around. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, so I just ended up falling in love with the sport. The same way anyone cho- chooses their sport or whatever, this was the sport that just attracted me the most. Obviously, more so in the last 12 years when I understood exactly what was going on. But um, it was just always something I was surrounded by. So I was never one of those people that was like, oh, um, that I was that was opposed to it. I was always open to it. And then once I understood exactly the game and the more I got into it, I was like, yo, this is the greatest. This is the greatest thing to ever, <laughs> to ever you won't, come. You won't hear too many arguments from me. What, what team yeah. do you root for? Um, I root for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and they're coming to uh, they're coming to England this year. They are coming to London this year. They've come they they they've come regularly actually. They come every four years. They've actually come every four years. Yeah. So um, yeah. So you're in the NFC. What do you think about 49ers then? Um, the 49ers. The, the issue. With no, the no, no, no. I was asking Muhammad because oh, okay, okay. Vikings are in the NFC. What do you think about 49ers? I feel like they're gonna give the reins to um <laughs> to, to Trey Lance this year, right? Right. Very, very, very talented quarterback. The defense, you know what the defense is saying. We don't need to talk about that. And I feel like with what Trey Lance can do and all of all of the different types of throws he can make, Kyle Shanahan is going to have a blast because he's he's very I feel like Shanahan was limited to the plays he can call because of Jimmy Garoppolo's inability to throw outside of the numbers. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So he was um he was limited to inter- intermediate crossing passes and and screens and all of these kind of gadget plays. But with Trey Lance, if Trey Lance is what we think he can be, um, this is going to be a completely different offense to what we're used yeah, to seeing. The only thing I'll say about Trey Lance is that, you know, <laughs> quarterback is the hardest position to play in just about all sports. And it, it takes playing to really get better, right? There's this, there's this um, statistic that says in the, the, the good market for success for NFL starting quarterbacks is 30 starts in college, right? And Trey Lance barely played one year. And his second year was a COVID year. He played one game and that was it. And pretty much came into the NFL as a, as a rookie, he played two games. So he's developing, he's, he's developing. In but, the NFL, but, the coverage schemes are going to change. It's not what you saw. And then he also played in one step lower in Division I AA football. So he didn't play in the, in the highest level. So there are question marks, 
you know, there's question marks about his motion of his throw. But if you see the two, games, the two games that he did play, you could see like he's you can see you can see something there that he's going to be a competent quarterback at the very least. The arm is unquestionable. The mobility is unquestionable. It's just a matter of can he read coverages? Can he dissect the coverages? And that's going to come. A big if. <laughs> that's a big if. That's, 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 that's the big well, well, you know, who, who quoted that stat about you have to play 30 games in college for you to um, These are the scouts that, you know, when they, you know how they do all these draft scouting. So this is how yeah. they basically are scouting um, quarterbacks coming out of college. Oh, Bill Parcells, actually, he's one given credit for that particular um, statistic. Well, you know, because Brady didn't have that. I don't think Brady had that at Michigan. Brady he, 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 he split time. Brady split time. He did, but yeah, he, he started games. At least he was playing. Not necessarily starting, but he was playing minutes. And Brady, you got to remember, he was the, the the quarterback that they ended up settling with even in Michigan. I think it was him and Drew Henson, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they went back and forth, and he ended up – and that's why that was dropped his draft status was the sixth round. But well, if, was that, and he was very unathletic with an – Yeah, that's body. what I'm saying. Like, I don't think – He played 27 games in college, Michigan. Yeah, so he was under that, that margin. That's why – that, um, that was over four years, though. Over four years, yeah. Over four years, but that's the um, other thing too. They also say if you're a senior, a junior, or a senior, obviously you can okay, match those number of starts. You're gonna have to play. So it's not just the starts; it's also the reps you're getting in practice. You know, over time, you the it, that is a again is just a number. It doesn't mean that you have you don't play thirty. Obviously, you're not. It's just a number of marker that they use. And if you're looking at those reps, it means you're developing over time. You know, and a lot. And one of the things is they're always very scared to get. Quarterbacks only play two years or junior quarterbacks in the NFL because they're like, ah, no, no, unless you pretty much exceeded. You know, and also the level of comp. The other part of it, too, is the level of competition you're playing. Brady's 27 starts are in the Big Ten when back in those days, that was where it was Big Ten, Pac-10, SEC. Those are the three conferences back when Brady was playing. ACC wasn't as it is today, you know. Yeah, But again, I think Brady fell because no one thought he was that good. Correct. Yeah, and, that, and that's the point. I, I think sometimes those guys, you know, they a lot of these scouts and people who predict stuff, they have this uh, superiority complex that they think they could just <laughs> automatically decide how a guy is going to do. Because if you look at, like, Steve McNair, for instance, you know, he went to Alcorn State, which is 1AA as well. And we saw what he did at Houston. Like, yeah, you know, but you can't. He, was a first-round pick, so you can't say people. Are yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying like, you know, sometimes they, they try to rule guys out, and until you put them in that heat, you know, because there are other unknown factors that kick in, right? You don't really know for certain. So, like, I mean, we'll see how he does it at, at San Fran. I mean, I mean, the Niners gave up three first-round picks for him. So, I mean, even if he's even, in him. even if he's kind of good. Kyle Shanahan will put him in the positions for him to execute. Like he's, yeah. he's 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 basically a genius when it comes to offensive calling, like like offensive play calling and play designing. And there was there was just certain things you couldn't even attempt to do with Jimmy Garoppolo because his arm doesn't allow him to do that. Jimmy, so. Jimmy, we hate Jimmy here. I'll be honest with you. So there's this stat that goes around that with Jimmy at quarterback, the 49ers are 35 and 16. With everybody else at quarterback, they're eight and 20 something, 22 or something like that. Yeah. So that 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 does kind of poo-poo Shanahan a little bit, but I I do understand that all the other the backup quarterbacks, first of all, they weren't as talented as this kid uh, Trey Lance is. So who knows? But I mean, that's, why I like, that's why I don't like. I don't like QB wins as a stat. It's terrible. 
Hey, you know, it, it, it's crazy, man. Listen, we, we need to bring you back for just an exclusive NFL session because I have some other questions I want to ask about I'm, NFL. I'm annoyed I know, you guys had me talking about I know Mike has to be somewhere in a, in a few minutes. Was that? I said, I'm, I'm I'm annoyed that you guys had me talking about the sport that I don't like as much. I'm just passionate <laughs> about it. By the way, come this is a World Cup year. We don't have a 100%. choice. And I wonder how that's going to play out, by the way. World NFL Cup is going to be run during the NFL season. You know that, right? I know, so 100%. that's that's gonna be interesting, man, because they've never gone head to head before. Oh, uh, the world, the world. See, there's two worlds. First of all, NFL, nothing punctuates that world. That world is 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 soft. Yeah, it's nothing is gonna mess up that world. NFL is its own world, its own its own multiverse. Wow, I just read. The World Cup is gonna be. I mean, it, are there conglomerations of people that watch the World Cup as closely and watch the NFL? Perhaps not as much, but people will watch the World Cup because one, it starts during Thanksgiving week, so a lot of college football would have ended, you know, and all the other sports, baseball's over. All the other sports are kind of sort of like in the dead dead periods, basketball, hockey in America anyway. Premier and then all the no NFL, no NFL game will be no NFL game will be on the same time as World Cup games, so you you'll just have days where you you watch because um. The World Cup games will kick off in the morning for you guys, whereas yeah, 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 yeah. Well, NFL yeah. games kick off in the morning here too. They kick off in the morning too, though. Late morning. Well, the earliest one is what, like uh, one o'clock? Ten o'clock, ten a.m. Pacific time, one p.m. One a.m. Um, Eastern. Eastern time, no, but, so. but, that, that's, but that's just one day though. The World Cup is seven days a week. You know what I'm trying to say? You have multiple games seven days a week. So apart right. from Sunday, so if you're an NFL guy. Sunday, you, you don't watch. care what World Cup games going on. Well, I have two TVs anyway. I'll be watching one game will be on the World Cup on Sunday, the other one will be on I the have, NFL. I have, I have TVs that are, I have, I have five TVs that are dedicated to just NFL. <laughs> like, I can never be that, that guy that just watches Red Zone. I need to see how the play developed. Like, I want to know that's, what happened. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll tell I you what we're going to do, man. We're, we're going to do uh, an NFL in London segment. And, and I was going to say and, something, man. I like that Napoli yeah. jersey we got. What do you think about our man, Victor Osimhen? In, in, uh, oh, he loves Osimhen, man. Bro, I think he's. Yeah, I think. Awesome, I think in the world of young strikers, it goes Erling Haaland, and then Victor Simon. That's how highly I rate the guy, man. I just, I think he's. Un, he's been unfortunate with injuries, and I, I, I don't accept anyone saying injury prone because they were freak injuries. Do you know what I'm trying to say? It was a this year he missed about three months with a head collision, which was, I mean, and the year before that. It was a dislocated shoulder that you guys did to him, like at Nigeria. Um, it wasn't us. Then, it was Sierra Leone. <laughs> yeah, but then, but then, but then COVID, it's, it's, not like hamstrings or, yeah. it's not like he's pulling hamstrings or he's having muscle injuries and stuff like that. So if he can avoid these freak injuries, just a little bit, a little bit of luck, I think one full season of Victor Osman, Victor Osman's out of Napoli straight away, in my opinion. So um, solid, I, you think this is the last man. season in Napoli? I'm saying probably the last season in Napoli. With a full healthy season, I, I think Victor Osman's out of Napoli for sure. Yeah. I think he goes, I think he, I think Bayern Munich, Man City, Bayern Munich, um, Man United. United, one of these, one of these massive teams. And he's been in Germany before, so he knows that environment, right? So yeah. he, he was one of them this year, but um, but I, I think that's gonna that, that's cooled down a little bit. But one yeah. full season of Aussie man, and he's he's out there. Yeah, I don't think he should go to Bayern right now because I don't know that he'll actually, you know, he needs. I need him. I need him in Napoli to because they he, they qualify for the Champions League. Let him go play. The only thing I that that sucks is that. I feel like Napoli's squad just got depleted a bit. You know, even though Lorenzo Insigne was very selfish last year, never really seemed to ever release the ball on time, but he's gone. 
Koulibaly being gone, and when you look at the guys they brought in, I just don't feel like they're. No, I feel like cool. I feel like um, with with Napoli, we are um, we've we've always had an incredible scouting system. Like the year we lost Cavani, Lavezzi, um, we replaced them with Mertens, Callejon, Alan, Gulam, Koulibaly, Pepe, Reina. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So Napoli, I mean, this is a conversation we can have at the end of the transfer window, but for now, kind of just. I mean, I've, I've got I've got faith that Napoli will replace those adequately. Koulibaly is irreplaceable. I don't see anyone. Unless we bring in Van Dijk, there's no one that's replacing Koulibaly. So we need to do that as a team. <laughs> Why did it take Koulibaly so long to, to move, though? Because I feel like at 31, his movement is a little too late. What took no, so long? No, the thing is, um, for, for a long period of time, he was the highest paid player in Syria. So money, like, Napoli broke every wage structure for Koulibaly to make sure Koulibaly stayed. And on top of that, and he the director very- doesn't, doesn't play fair in the market either. Yeah, but um, I mean, but he he but he does to players like Koulibaly, he does give them a say. So if if a bid comes in, he'll 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 discuss it with the player and his agent. But then Koulibaly also wanted to stay. I mean, Naples is a beautiful city. I mean, um, normally I wouldn't see why anyone wouldn't want to stay there. Of course, if you want to play at the high, and um, Napoli were competing for titles almost every year, apart from right. the last two years, playing in the Champions League every year. So, I mean. Unless you're you're ring chasing, as they say in in um, in the NBA, you're competing for the title, you're competing in the Champions League, you're winning the cup regularly, and you're the highest paid player in the league. Um, he he had it he had it going for him, you know. So yeah. All right, thanks for coming on, man. We'll have no, to wrap really, it up, really but we'll, we'll definitely schedule in. We need, we need to have a full NFL conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll talk about your sport because yeah, I, I have, you I have... Play fantasy football there. Yes, I do. Oh, I, was, I, played, I played in four fantasy leagues last year. I won three of them. There you wow. go. Yeah, we, we have a discussion uh, right before uh, the season begins. I the think season that's a good starts, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> of course. All right, guys, thanks for coming on. Thank you.